You're listening to Behind the Bliss, a weekly podcast where Rachel Autry brings conversations to you from women that share what's behind their highlight reel. Each episode is designed for you to see a message from the mess and encourage you to find balance in the bliss. We know that what you're facing is important for shaping who God has created you to be. Some may say it's a process that often happens behind the bliss. Here's today's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Behind the Bliss. We have a really great show today. It is with Scarlett Hiltzabidel. If you are following me over on Instagram, I've shared about her Bible study anxious before because it is so incredible, especially if you are battling anxiety and walking through what that looks like, carrying that heaviness on your life. She also has written a book called Afraid of All the Things that goes along with a theme of anxiety. But her most recent book, You're the Worst Person in the World, Why It's the Best News Ever, You Don't Have It Together, You Aren't Enough, and You Can't Fix It on Your Own is seriously stellar. This is a supernaturally awesome conversation. She has so many good points, tells us a bit about her testimony, how she got to this place, realizing that she's just not enough. And so we talk about that today, how to turn from this idea that I'm the worst person in the world and to finish the blank that comes after it, which is, I might be the worst, but God is the best and he fills in all of my blanks. So if you are feeling like the worst, or if you've ever really felt like the worst, and you wanna have tangible, practical, real life examples of how to get out of that rut, how to step out of that corner and start to believe the best about God again, which in return makes you live less miserable and more joyful, then today's episode is just for you. I want you to know something, that I am truly obsessed with you. (laughs) Like not in a really weird way, but I just think that you are the sweetest thing, that you would listen to the podcast, that you would tune in, that you would click play. It means more to me than I think you will really truly ever know. One of my greatest joys in life is to serve you and one of my greatest missions, and I feel called to bring you things that bring you joy, to uplift you, to remind you of truth with a capital T, to drag you to the feet of Jesus, which I say a lot today in the episode, but really just to get you back to a place of trusting and loving and knowing who our God is. So yeah, I'm obsessed with you. You are just the coolest thing to me, and I am so grateful to have you in our community, to be listening. I just wanted to tell you, that's all. Super random, but just wanted to put that in today's episode because... You mean that much to me. I will not delay today's show any longer. Here is my conversation with Scarlett. Hey, Scarlett. Welcome to Behind the Bliss Podcast. This is so fun. Hi, Rachel. This is so fun. I know. I know. Like just getting to meet someone, like full transparency, people listening. This is like our first date. (laughs) This is always like the most fun and also like sometimes awkward, but this isn't awkward. No, you're not awkward at all. And just listeners, so you know. This is like sometimes before a podcast, you'll like chat a little bit. We This is like we just – Rachel hit record immediately. So this is – yes, it's like nice to meet you. Here we go. <laughs> I just go for it. I love because it. there's always like fun, candid, quirky things that happen that I'm like, I want to be able to record this just that's in so case. Wise. This is yes. like fabulous. Yes, that's a great idea. Because there's been several times people like drop an amazing wisdom bomb and I'm like, can we – can you remember that? And like, oh, I don't know if I can say it again. And I'm yeah. like, no. <laughs> so we just push record from the get-go. This Amen. is so fun. I have to let you know, though, that just the other week, I feel like I, I said, said something on Instagram about like anxiety, postpartum anxiety, whatever. And I did your anxious study a few months ago. Well, mm-hmm. 
I guess it was like eight months ago now, but I loved it. And so like naturally I just told people, I was like, this is a great resource to go into. And then basically I plugged you and then one day refreshed my email and here you were getting pitched to me for this new book. And I was like, what are the odds? Yay. That makes me so happy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I just need you to know that we love what you're putting into the world. So to be able to sit down with you today and just hang out and chat about all the other things you're putting out into the world. This is so cool. Thank you. I'm Full so circle. happy to be here. Yeah. Tell us, though, about yourself. Um, I know just from following you, you have a bunny. So Two bunnies. Two bunnies. Two bunnies. How did I not know that? They don't even look alike, do they? They don't. But, you know, we had one bunny for a while. We added okay. to our bunny, our live bunny collection. <laughs> Two bunnies. <laughs> All the things. So you are a mom. You're a bunny mm-hmm. keeper. You bunny are keeper. author. <laughs> Fill in the blanks. What else are you? If people are um, curious about Scarlet. A taco eater. I love tacos. I live in Southern yeah. California now, so like the tacos are a plenty and I love it. Um, yeah, I have three kids. They're wonderful. Little three little girls. They're in this sweet spot age where they're like independent. Um, but my oldest is eleven, so they're just sweet, sweet little girls playing dolls and it's we have a lot of fun. Um That's so fun. I love the ocean, but I'm not adventurous at all. So I just love like sitting and looking at it. And I don't You're not like a surfer. Not at all. Like I don't I don't do anything cool or adventurous. I just the other day went on a bike ride and I was like, I'm doing a thing. This is so cool. <laughs> um, yeah, me and my husband are yeah, we don't like we're not very adventurous. I love hiking. Um what else? Uh yeah, I'm married to Brandon. We've been married 15 years. He's the best. I love him so much. He's a pastor. So I'm a pastor's wife now. Um, but we moved out here to Southern California last year, but I'm, I'm originally from here. So I kind of feel like I've come back home, but he's a Southern boy. So it's been a different, different thing for him. (laughs) Culture shock. (laughs) Yes. Very different. Um, but yeah, what else? I love writing. I've always loved writing. I love Jesus. And, um, there you go. That's it. We love that. I'm sure we'll fill in some other blanks as we go, because (laughs) you say you don't do interesting things and I'm like, what? (laughs) I think you're interesting. I think you do great things. I have, I have stories. I have interesting life experiences that have happened to me, but I don't like go out seeking. Maybe that's why. Maybe because I've had weird things happen. I don't seek out. (laughs) I don't seek out adventure. Because you're like, they naturally happen. I don't need to find them. (laughs) I don't need to find find scary things. They come to me. (laughs) That's so funny. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, kind of ties into kind of our conversation today, or at least I did want to touch on this because I'm a huge fan of what you're doing. So I want to talk about the new book that just came out on April 5th. We will get there because that's so exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, But selfishly, I'm like, we do have to touch on the being afraid of all the things and the beautiful first book that you wrote and Mm -hmm. the Bible study and all of the things. Is that part of your story? Would you consider yourself that kind of person that thinks I don't know. I don't want to say this wrong because it's not who I am. So I'm like, I don't naturally know how to say this. Like you think about the worst things as like potential reality. No, don't worry about saying anything wrong. I've fully put myself out there. So, (laughs) (laughs) and you know, we should definitely talk. I mean, if you hadn't brought up afraid of all the things, it's all tied together because I write my testimony and my testimony is all about um, panic and being that person that you just described and striving Mm -hmm. for control and comfort and perfection um, rather than – anyway, it's a, it's a long story. But yeah, my first book was Afraid of All the Things and um, just, man, how do I say this succinctly? Basically, <laughs> I had a very colorful upbringing. My mom was an actress, so I was born in LA. We moved to New York, Miami. We were always traveling. Um, my biological dad was a fire-eating magician 
I don't have a relationship with him now. Like that, literally? Like literally. That that was his profession. <laughs> and that just kind of gives you a picture of like, you know, it was kind of like a circus. And I was this kid who was like always traveling. And then my parents got divorced. And I was just kind of baseline panic trying to figure the world out. Like, oh, homes can go away. Dads can go away. What's happening? Mm. Um, and then my mom reconnected with her high school sweetheart who was a SWAT cop in Miami. And so, so he would like come home from the drug bust and, you know, have these stories. And so, yeah, I, I definitely grew up like seeing for sure, like seeing the world in a very unique perspective for a kid, like sitting in the wings of Hollywood and also being raised to believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. I was raised Christian. Right. So it was kind of, um, interesting, you know, like how I, do you hold both exactly, as a kid? Because it's kid. so compartmentalized. Yeah. Yes. And you know, I, I think back to all these examples, um, in my family and in my Christian schools I went to and stuff that were pointing me to the truth. But, you know, when you're young, you don't have the experience or the wisdom. Um, and, you know, so much of what adults say to you goes over your head and you're just kind of <laughs> observing. And so I, I'm observing right. kind of this contrast of like the light and the darkness and like, well, how can I be safe? Um, and so, yeah, I grew up clinging to like doing whatever I could. I was a striver. Um, like, let me be perfect. Let me just try to live a normal life where everything's predictable, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, and that was kind of my goal. So yeah, there's part, there's part one. Is that what you, wow. what did you ask me? Yeah. So I was, I was anxious. I was like straight A's <laughs> and, uh, try to, trying to make everybody like me and yeah. Which kind of makes sense. Cause if you think about it and I like in the seasons that I've been super anxious and they've like, that has been my dominant feeling. Mm -hmm. I act from that place mm -hmm. where, I'm like, well, shoot, if things in life happen that I don't have control over, by golly, I'm going to be in control of what I do have control over. Right. I'm going to do it as best as I can thinking that'll give me safety. Right. But that's not true. Like that, I try to make that equation work in my head and like yeah. try to bargain with God. I'm like, yeah. if I do this well, will you give me that? Like, can I have peace here? And yep. he's like, but you can have peace there even if you didn't do that well. You yeah. know, I don't, know. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like so beautiful having to get to know God mm -hmm. from like trying to figure him out as a kid. Yeah. Based on circumstances, mm -hmm. which is wild. So true. So cool. So cool. I guess it's like a new thing for me I'm figuring out because I just recently became a mom. So I'm like, mm. how do I – like, oh, my parents are amazing and yeah. I still grew up with things that I had to work through. So I'm mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, the pressure. Yeah. Um. Like they so yeah, it. just being free from that, which kind of is perfect. And really what I want to chat with you about today is when you get to the point that you're like, oh my gosh, I am messing this up. <laughs> This is so messy. This I am the worst in the world. <laughs> like, what the heck do we do with that? Because yeah. we've all gotten to that place over there or yeah. we're stuck there. Yeah. And that has been the beautiful part two, this book that you've just recently written, which I have to I have to like make sure I get the subtitle right because it is probably my favorite subtitle. <laughs> um, you're the worst person in the world. Why it's okay. Or sorry, hold on. No, no, no. I gotta say it again. See, I told you I was gonna mess it up. Um <laughs> I, met, I still mess it up as long. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> and I don't want to because it's so beautiful. Okay. You're the worst person in the world. Why it's the best news ever that you don't have it together. You aren't enough and you can't fix it on your own. Sheesh. That's good. <laughs> well, I can't take credit for the subtitle because my sweet publisher was like, uh, book title called You're the Worst Person in the World. And I was like, please, please, <laughs> please, please. please. <laughs> and then I think my, my original subtitle was Finding Freedom and Believing You're Broken. And brilliant Ashley Gorman, my editor, was like, well, we've got to have some kind of subtitle that like lets people know what they're getting, you know? And so that was all her. That subtitle was a 
I, I begged to keep you're the worst person in the world. And she was like, okay, well, how about this? I was like, yes. Thank okay, you, well, well, tell me why. Like, why is it so important that the title is You're the Worst Person <sighs> in the World? Well, okay. Um, man, I have like a five-second answer, but we have time, right? Girl, we got time. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you the long answer. So, okay. I t- kind of told you my upbringing, right? Um, and this is kind mm-hmm. of also going to touch back on Afraid of All the Things because, you know, as a believer, you know, it's so cool that like, God, our testimonies are so layered. It's like, we've got the, this season, this is what God was showing me. I was walking with him and then he revealed this to me. So, you know, so, um, basically I, I became a believer when I was 14 years old and, um, I was watching a church play. I totally recognized what the gospel meant. Okay. I'm a sinner. I am not holy, but God is holy and he created me and I, I can't be friends with him because I am a sinner. So I need someone to pay the price for my sins. Jesus' death and resurrection, that was when God humbled himself and he came down and he paid the price for my sin. Now I can have access to this holy God. Excuse me. Um, I totally believed that. I was crying in the back of this church play. I gave my life to Jesus. I totally believed that my soul was safe eternally with him. But with my wiring and again, just my youth and not, you know, inexperience. I love how that was said. You know, I think I'm just an anxiously wired person. I think some people are, um, have a few babies and you'll see that that to be true. Like my, my anxiously (laughs) wired one, it was day one out of the womb, you know? Um, I, we all have our struggles. So anyway, um, all that being said, I almost immediately like, was like, okay, I'm a Christian now, got baptized opened my little blue leather Bible and I was like underlining every proverb because like, oh, this tells me what James, you know, book of James, Mm. this tells me what to do. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to be the best Christian ever. And it's so funny. I mean, it's not funny because I think a lot of Christians do this and this is why there are a lot of miserable Christians. But um, it's like I, I was claiming to believe the gospel, but I was living the anti gospel. I was living for my own let me do my own perfection. Like I'm going to be great at this. And really I wouldn't have said it this way, but I was like living for my own glory. Um, and you even wow. like my faith was all tied into it. And so I had this underlying panic all the time that I was doing it wrong. Cause I would read the words of Jesus where he said, you did all these things in my name, but depart from me. I never knew you. So I'd be like, okay, Jesus, well, I better do better tomorrow so that you won't wow. say that to me. And I was so focused on my own goodness. I wasn't opening his word praying, being in Bible studies in order to enjoy him and have access to the peace and joy that comes from having an intimate relationship with him. I was pursuing it all for my own feelings to feel, to fix myself, to feel better about my, it was all centered around myself. And so, wow. um, something that was hugely, which trans- is so exhausting, so exhausting. Exactly. Black hole. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so a huge turning point for me was when I was a new mom, my 11 year old was three months old at the time. And I was peak panic. I just had a really horrible miscarriage, uh, ectopic pregnancy that ruptured. I almost died. Um, and it was really horrible. And so of course I was like a helicopter mom to the max. Like they invented that term about me specifically. Like I was so <laughs> overprotective. Mom, your pictures in the dictionary. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah. I was so panicked about being a good mom, about keeping my baby safe. And um, God totally, this is the beautiful part two of my testimony, which is more in afraid of all the things, but we've got to, we've got to say it to get to the part three. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But anyway, I was in this small group of women and basically they were giving parenting advice. I was trying to absorb it all. 
And this one woman said, well, my goal is not to be a perfect mom or raise perfect kids. My goal is to live the gospel out in my home. And then she said, what that means is I'm not trying to be perfect. I'm pointing to the one who is. So um, if I have an argument with my husband or if I mean to one of my kids, I apologize to them. And then I say, here's what I do with my sin. And I pray a prayer of repentance where I turn from my sin and accept the forgiveness of Jesus in front of them. And I, I had heard the gospel my whole life, but it was like hearing that practical visual of like right where I was at. I was just starting to be a mom and seeing this mom say that I was, it was like an earthquake in my heart. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh my goodness, like peace and joy is not this someday far off thing that hopefully I'll have someday if I do it right. I can have it right now because it's about what Jesus did, not about what I did. And it was like, I don't know, it, it clicked in my heart. And so that changed my whole life. And God led us into all these wonderful gifts from him. Like uh, we pursued a special needs adoption and that's our middle daughter and she's just a miracle and just the best thing that's ever happened to us um you know one of the best things that's ever happened to our family and I never would have pursued something like that because I was living in fear all the time so it was just an awesome season um anyway this new book you're the worst person in the world it's funny because when you release a book you have all these um you have all these emails from like the publisher and the designers and you're trying to decide on the cover. And like I said, I'm like fighting for my title and you know, it's, yeah. it's kind of a group effort. And so I had all these different like swatches and designs of the possible book cover for my first book. And I was showing my best friend, Katie, and um, one of them was this dark red and it had like fangs and a syringe on the cover and it's supposed to be funny. Oh yeah. So like my, my writing style is humorous. <clears throat> trying to be humorous anyway. <laughs> um, and so I wanted the, the cover to convey that so that people wouldn't think, oh, this is like a serious anxiety book. No, it's like a beach read, my testimony, the gospel, my fear story kind of thing. So I showed it to my friend Katie and she was like, I was like, what do you think of the dark red? Because I had all these several color, color options. And she was like, honestly, Scarlet, dark red with the fangs, a little bit scary. I know that's not what you're going for. You're going for funny. But I'm. she's such a good supportive friend. She was like, I'm so excited. Like, even if you just put out a book that was a blank white cover that said, you're the worst person in the world, I would still be so excited. <laughs> and we I laughed. What do you say? We all need one of those. Isn't she? She's just the best. We call each other Buzz Bosom, like Bosom Friend from Anne of Green Gables. She's just, she's my bosom. Um, so yeah, Shout she out. said that. Shout out, Bosom. <laughs> um, I, t- I told her yesterday, I was like, we're we live far apart now. So Marco Polo is like our whole relationship. And I was like, oh my I gosh, talk love Marco in Polo. every day. Yes. I know. Um, anyway, so I was like, Katie, you're the best. I laughed really hard. And just picturing a Christian book on a coffee table with that title cracked me up. Um, but then I thought like about actually writing a book called that. And I thought, man, my anxiety story, like perfectionism, like I said earlier, is so tied into that because that was kind of my coping mechanism was like, okay, well, if I can do everything right in every way, if I can like check the boxes off of this list of what I think makes a good Christian or a good person, then I can be at peace, um, mm-hmm. which is not true because, um, you know, Jesus is the Prince of Peace and pursuing his pursuing him and enjoying that he loves us. He's the perfect one. That is what gives us the peace. And that's what makes us more like him anyway. That's what gives us the ability to do good things um, when it's about him and not about us. So yeah, that's what this book is all about. It's about getting to that point of um, I'm the worst person in the world. I'm the chief of sinners. You know, like Paul, Apostle Paul said, when you get to that place, you're able to be humble and see your need for Jesus. But once you're there, you don't have to be like me, the young mom stuck in like, did I do good enough today because I'm the worst? You can actually move on to repentance and be mm-hmm. like, oh my goodness, I, because of Jesus, like I can open his word, I can obey it and find joy in these commands because he knows what's best for me. 
And I don't have to despair when I fail. Just like I talked about in my other book, like, you know, it's all about Jesus. So the pressure's off. It's not about how great did Scarlett do on the Behind the Bliss podcast. Like if I stick my foot in my mouth, it's okay because my my whole goal is to make <laughs> like make people think about Jesus, not make people think I'm awesome. So that was a super freeing thing for me. So that's what it's the book is stories of my failures, and I hope people get more out of it than man, she's terrible. I hope that they, they think I hope they think I'm also terrible. And thank goodness I have Jesus. So yes, <laughs> yes, I this is so cool and so aligned because obviously at Behind the Bliss podcast we talk about what's behind the bliss and. <laughs> Thank God that there can be a bliss. Like, thank God that he does fill in the gaps to a point where we can experience joy. And like, we can have these moments where we're like, oh, this is so cool. I just love this because yes, it brings us to a place of humility where we can be like, it's just not up to me. Like, I can't, I can't fix it. I can't hurt it. I can't thwart it. Like, yes, I can maybe fall out of line. And like, that's where repentance comes into play. Mm -hmm. But I can't mess up like the Sharpie that God has exactly. like written on my life. I can't erase it no matter how hard I try. Yeah. Um, which is freeing. But mm-hmm. I think I want to tell you like my theory on the whole like, oh, I'm the worst. I feel like so many people say this because and this is coming from like a personal reflection. Um, I think that I used to say like, oh man, I'm the worst, followed by a really quick apology over mm-hmm. something silly that I might have messed up because I'm afraid of the failure, yes, but I'm also afraid of being rejected because of my failure. Mm, you want to be self-aware. Not- totally. You want people to know that I, I do – yes, I'm like this. I yes. I want people to know I'm aware, <laughs> you know, lest someone be like, you did this wrong, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so like story time, right? I'm just yes. going to be vulnerable. I'm ready. Um, FaceTiming family literally last night mm-hmm. and I was giving Maddox, my one-year-old son, a bath and um, was FaceTiming them and I didn't bring the towel into the bathroom. Ugh. Rookie mistake before <laughs> we started the bath. So now here I am, FaceTime in one hand, like baby slashing the tub. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh man, I got to go get the towel. But here is like my family watching me. It's like, oh, is she going to leave the bathroom and leave her son in the tub and go grab a towel? Or is she going to pick him up naked without said towel? Like I just, in my brain, I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Wow. So I just said, like, oh, so I got to go grab a towel quick. Like, bad mom. Ha ha ha. I like I what is it called like you um self-deprecating yes I self-deprecate myself so that my family can't make fun of me before I make fun of me yeah and I think the whole like oh I'm the worst haha sorry yeah or like oh I'm a bad mom or whatever is self-deprecating ourselves which if you take a big picture approach Mm -hmm. it's pride Mm -hmm. it's like I don't want them to think something of me because I think that highly of me Oof, that's convicting man yeah so that's my bathtub story. But like that's what I thought of when I was thinking about through, our, through this conversation and praying through it. I was like, oh, this is so for me because so often do I get to that point where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm messing this up. Bad mom. From like forgetting mm-hmm. the towel to saying something unlovely or not being patient with a one-year-old who's yeah. just trying to figure out the world. And I get to that place of being like, I'm the worst. Mm-hmm. But so often do I forget to like fill in the gap. Be like yeah. dot, dot, dot. But – right. Yeah, Jesus you is nailed it. Gaps. That's so – I'm so glad you shared that, Rachel, because that's definitely my tendency. When I'm taking my eyes off Jesus, I will be protective in that way, I think, of my mm. own heart. And I think that you're right. It's pride either way. C.S. Lewis said it really well. So I'm going to mess it up. But the sentiment – a bunch of pastors have quoted him, but he talks about how like our society, even today – but this was said years and years and years, a million years ago – 
<laughs> um, but he's not a million, so old, not a million years ago, um, <laughs> a long, long time ago. Um, something about how like, you know, people are like, you should have high self-esteem, but then the Christians like, no, you know, like my book, blessed are the poor in spirit. You read, you read this in the Bible about being meek and lowly. So then a lot of us can take that to the other extreme and be like, I'm the worst. And we think that having low self-esteem is godly. But it's self-absorbed. It's self self-absorption or pride. Either way, either way, either way. if you're focused that's on so yourself, good. if you're saying I'm the worst or I'm the best, and that's kind of how I lived for so long. And I think that's our nature as human beings to live in one of those. Like we do everything. We don't forget the towel at bath time. I'm the best mom. <laughs> um, yeah. Forget the towel at bath time. I'm the yes. worst mom. And we just swing back and forth. But really, yeah. um, God wants us to have no self-esteem. I've heard some pastor said that, and he was taking C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis's sentiment and just saying, yeah, stop looking at yourself. <laughs> you know, like Colossians 3, 2 Period. says, yeah. set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. So yeah, the reason I wrote this book is because I was so stuck in the I'm the worst thinking it was humility. It's not humility. It's, um, yeah, it's being self-absorbed. And so it's, of course, I still fight it all the time because I'm a human being. Um, but when I look at God's word, I see how very much everything in existence is all about him. It's not about me. And that's, such a relief. Um, you know, I think we're born uh, into sin. So we're born feeling like the world revolves around us and it doesn't. And so just having a lifestyle of walking with Jesus, not neglecting yeah. to to see him in his word, to be in community where other people are reminding you who he is. Um, I mean, I still need reminding all the time. I had two huge losses in my life last year, deaths in my family. And I and one of those losses, I wasn't sure where that family member stood spiritually. And I was just like, God, how can I be at peace with this? Like, how That's do I, tough. how can I yeah. be at peace with this? And then I went to my small group um, of, I had a small group at the time of like mostly 80 year old women, which I love. It was amazing. The best. Oh, the oh my best. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And one of them, we didn't, they didn't know what I was going through. And one of them just reminded me through the Bible study we were doing in like the book of Daniel or something. Um, she reminded me of how God knows the heart of man. God knows what's in our heart and what we're going to choose before we choose it. He is sovereign over everything and he is kind and he knows. And I just had this, as she was talking, I was thinking, okay, God loves my uncle Jimmy more than I even loved him, you know? Mm -hmm. And I can have peace knowing that God, God knew his heart in those final, final moments. I don't. Um, and I can be sad, but I don't have to, um, you know, I, I can, I can be at peace. And it was like, I wouldn't have had that realization if I hadn't sat in front of an 80 year old who was studying her Bible because I forget, cause I'm not always in, you know, I'm forgetful and distracted easily. And so, um, yeah, I think you're so right. It's pride. And, you know, I think a lot of people struggle to even get to the, I'm the worst mom. I forgot the towel. They struggle to even get there because they're so busy striving to be super awesome Pinterest mom. Um, so I think it's so important to recognize your sin but then let the whole Christian life process of being sanctified and um, renewed and, you know, living a lifestyle of confession, um, living in the light, repentance, all these things the Bible says to do because it knows that that's how to have peace and freedom. Um, do those things and then you think a lot less about yourself <laughs> and a lot more about God. This is all so good. I'm thinking back to something you said earlier. You said miserable Christians. Like there's Christians that are miserable, which is kind of sad to think about. So sad. and. I'm going to be honest. I think some of them are listening to us right now. Probably. And that's something know. that we have to investigate in our own heart. It's like, is this 
what I, is this the joy that I signed up for or am I lacking that fruit? I think we all, we should be doing that every day, Mm -hmm. but I wanted to like invite listeners, just like pause, even pause us if you have to, and just pray through that because I think this next part would be for you. But when we identify that we are these like miserable Christians because we were doing the striving Mm -hmm. and we're doing the hustling and like, we're trying to get to that place to feel enough or Mm -hmm. to feel like we're good enough. Check a plus. (laughs) Um, I want you to speak to the girl though that's like stuck. She okay, so she's strived enough to know mm-hmm. she ain't it. <laughs> she can't yeah. do it. She's not enough. And now she's stuck at that place. Like, oh, I'm not enough. And then enters shame, enters all these things. Mm. What would you say to the girl that's just stuck in that corner, being like, I am the worst? And maybe that's why she clicked play today. Man, I would say to her, I think that that whole miserable Christian thing is so easy to fall into when we are kind of doing the cultural Christianity thing of, you know, memorizing the coffee mug verses, but, and maybe like going to Bible study, but neglecting to be, have a personal relationship with Jesus. And it's like, we know, like I knew for years when I was a miserable Christian, I knew the, the answers of what I should be doing, but Mm -hmm. was I living it? No. And like a really good example of this is, um, first Peter five, six, and seven. I would see – I grew up, of course, learning First Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That's – excuse me. It's on the coffee mugs or some, you know, some translations say cast your anxiety on the Lord because he cares for you. And I would see that and I'd be like, okay, I'm doing it. And I'm like, listeners, I'm like throwing imaginary worries upward toward the ceiling. It was such an Releasing. abstract – yes. It's this abstract concept. I'm like, it's not working, okay? So I'm miserable because I – I'm carrying the weight of the world all the time, but I'm trying to do what the Bible says. And it wasn't until years and years and years later um, that I was looking at that verse in my Bible and I noticed it was the second half of a sentence that started at verse six, (laughs) which says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that the proper time he will exalt you, comma, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And I was like, oh my goodness, like I didn't even know that that verse came first. And that's literally telling me how to cast my cares. How do I do it? humble yourself. So what does that mean? Like when I go to God in prayer, rather than rambling about everything that I'm burdened with, why don't I start by remembering like the Lord's prayer, like exalting him, telling him how great he is and remembering all, you know, uh, all, all of his, forget not all of his benefits. That's in one of the Psalms. Um, when you pray and even like make your body low. Like I haven't done this in a long time, but for a season, I, when I realized that about that verse, I was kneeling down to like remind my body that I am low and small and he is big and great. And it's like, if you start there every day, it's a lot harder to be worried about, oh, what if this, you know, distant cousin says this to me and I'm uncomfortable and I'm put on the spot and she wants me to do something that I don't feel like I want to, you know, like the, the, the (laughs) consuming worries of my mind that either were relational or what if this bad thing happens, then what'll I do? What if I have a disease? Then what'll I, you know, um, it's a lot harder to have your mind to go there when your mind is focused on, um, how wonderful Jesus is. Um, and also just, you know, I've said lately, talking about this book, like all these things that I wished were true about him when I was a young Christian. Now I'm 36 and I'm like, oh my goodness, like it is true. Like, you know, it's like he says, do this and you think, oh, but that's going to be uncomfortable. But then you obey and you find, oh my goodness, it's the most joyful Mm -hmm. thing ever. And I feel more peace than I ever could have imagined. And so 
to the miserable Christian sitting in the corner feeling ashamed, I would say, open your Bible, not in an effort to be a super Christian or please God by, oh, I read my Bible today, but like pray and say, God, what what do you have for me in here today? And I, I've started doing that the last few years. I just like read cover to cover in an unhurried way. Even if I'm like committed to a, a Bible study, I also try to have this time where it's like, I'm in the Bible because it's a gift. It's not an obligation. It's not a thing I signed up to do that I better do. And that's been so life-changing for me um, because, yeah. you know, the Lord, it's like you're getting the whole picture. You're not getting the one coffee mug verse. You're seeing the whole thing. You're seeing like, oh, this is who Paul was writing to or this is what God was talking about, you know? And this is the character of God. Like when you read yes. little stories and he's the same God in every single one of them, you're like, wait, and you get to know who he is. It almost show like it reveals himself to you in a way that you can't not be magnetic to that. Like you can't yeah. not be attracted to who that is. Yeah. It's, it's like I've heard this before. Like what a great analogy is. It's like imagine you're married to somebody that you sleep in different rooms. You don't go on date nights. Mm. You don't have conversation. You don't have their phone number saved in your phone <laughs> and their in your contacts. And it's just like you just wore a ring on your finger. So yeah. people are like, oh, she's married. Oh, they're married. Yeah, it's miserable. Like, what kind of marriage is that? That's so lame, you know. And like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know them. So, yeah. of course, you wouldn't want to spend time with them. It's intimidating. Yeah. You'd be like, oh my gosh, like to sit down at dinner and move. Like, that's weird. Yeah. And it's the same. I feel like we have some of us have this relationship, that kind of relationship with God, where we're like, I don't know, like, what yeah. do we even talk about? You know? And it's yeah. Like, and that that awkward. Yep. But it doesn't have to be like that. No. And the character, you're so right. No, and knowing the character of God is such a practical comfort because in that moment that I was grieving over my uncle Jimmy and that 80 year old sweetheart reminded me of the character of God. She wasn't saying anything specific to my grief situation, but she reminded me that God is not only in control, but he's also loving and kind, so mm -hmm. loving that he sent his son and did this ultimate sacrifice and humbled humbled himself ultimately, lowered himself ultimately, you know, um, to become one of – and I just recently – it might have been my husband who's pastor, but I don't know. I heard a pastor recently <laughs> say, um, like, Jesus became a human. And, you know, like the analogy of – he's given this analogy before of, like, imagine that, like, there was an ant – that was an ant colony that was in danger and you made yourself into an ant or a cockroach or something, you would be lowering yourself. Like, can you even comprehend how much better it is to be a human than it is wow. to be a cockroach? Never thought about it. Right. Way. But then like yeah. on the scale of God to us, it's, it's a million bazillion to infinity times more of a gap of how much greater he is to us. And yet not only did he become one of us in order to save us, but he's still a human. And I hadn't thought of that till I heard that like a week ago. Like, Jesus is still a human. Like we're going to see him with the scars in his hands. Like he stayed a cockroach. <laughs> like isn't that yeah. great? Because he loves us. And like, oh, I just, I don't know. That's wow. just such a cool thought to me. I don't know. That anyway. is a cool thought. Not a cool I thought. mean, that's, I mean, I'm very visual. Yeah. Like, I'm like, okay, but make this real to me. And I love that practical. That is so good. One of my favorite parts about the subtitle is the very last where it says, and you can't fix it on your own because mm -hmm. I'm very much a fixer. <laughs> I'm very much the girl. It's like, okay, I'm I'm feeling this way. I'm gonna like fill in my gaps. I'm gonna self care. Yeah. I'm gonna whatever it takes to become feeling like myself again. Yeah. And I love what you mentioned about getting in a group, getting in community that can hold you accountable, that can yeah. bring you back to truth, mm -hmm. drag you to the feet of Jesus, like whatever yeah. it takes to get you there. Yeah. But what are some other practicals for girls that are like, okay, 
I want to start today living this way. Even like, because I love this. I love when people ask for practicals because it it has to be a choice because it be, before it becomes an overflow. Yeah, yeah, um, that's good. it has to become a discipline, and then it's a habit. And you're like, okay, 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 I enjoy doing this, totally. but it's okay if you don't enjoy doing it at first. Want to give that permission? Yeah. But what are some practical things people can start doing, like right after they listen to this, to get to a place that they think naturally God's got this? You yeah. can fill in the gaps. I cannot fix this on my own. Rachel, you have a gift. You are serving your listeners so well. These are great questions. Oh, Seriously. Oh like, God. yes, that's so okay, true. Selfishly, these questions are for me. Okay. Well, <laughs> I don't have much <laughs> personal wisdom to impart except to say, I mean, I've done it wrong a lot. And I think that, you know, okay, I'm going to tell a story. So my grandma Marlene, who's in heaven, we worshiping love stories. Jesus now. Do it. Okay, good. Okay. She's worshiping Jesus. She um, passed away last year. And mm. it was 16 days after my uncle Jimmy. So what a it was just insane. It was the grief was insane. Oh. But she's like this hero of the faith who loved me every moment of my life and um and showed me Jesus at such a young age and showed me this testimony of joy and peace. And at first it was frustrating when I was like, why don't I have what she has? You know? And I used to think, oh, it's because she's old when I was little. And then I got older and I'm like, no, you just have more things to worry about when you get older. It's not that. Um <laughs> And, you know, she a few years before she died, I remember I was visiting her and we were praying in her living room, holding hands. And her prayer was, um, God, give us joy and peace today because that's our testimony. And I was so struck by that because at the time she was like 86 and saw me if I would come to visit her, saw the mailman sometimes if she had to sign for a package, saw the doctor every few weeks. You know, it was like she had mm-hmm. – like me and you have busy lives where we see people nonstop – um, she's a widow. She doesn't even live with anybody. And so wow. I was like, wow, what a powerful thing that she is has walked with Jesus since she was 10 years old. And her prayer is that when she sees the mailman, that <laughs> her testimony will point to Jesus, you know, joy and peace. That's her testimony. Wow. Um, and I think about her life and I think about my life now and the joy and peace I enjoy today. And I think that the practicals are um, not getting so focused on a list of I mean, yes, there are practical. I think the list is in the Bible. I think the the practicals are open the Bible and obey. And if you do that, if you open the Bible and obey, you know, Jesus's upside down kingdom, like it's like when I had a season where I struggled, where I was caught in addiction, sin, when I was in my 20s, I thought, okay, the Bible, Proverbs 28, 13 is saying, he who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but if you confess, you receive mercy. And it's saying, confess your sins to one another. And and I would pray and say, but God, I can't, I can't obey this because I've got to get it together first. I'll lose everything. If people know what I'm really struggling with, I will be rejected. And so that disobedience kept me from freedom for so long. Wow. And then I finally got you to my- You kept yourself from that freedom. Yes. Right. It was yes. Like I was begging God. You were yes. holding anything out from you. Yeah. Yes. He, he kept showing me. And it was one of those eerie- I mean, God is supernatural. He can do whatever he wants. He was putting that verse and those verses that were telling me, confess, confess, bring your stuff into the light. And I was saying, no, 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 no. But I was already a believer. And um, I finally did it. And that day I was healed and free and never struggled in that area ever again. And so it's like, wow. I think my most practical thing I could ever say is- open the Bible and do what it says. And as you're doing that, like we just talked about, you're going to learn the character of God, which is going to be a comfort. And you're going you're going to communicate with him. The Bible says it, about itself that it's living and active 
um, you know, it convicts, it instructs, it corrects. The Bible is not just a book, a history book where you're going to learn about God. Like you're going to be with him in that book. So I would just say, if you open the Bible and you're, like you said, you're faithful to do that, even if you don't want to do that. I still have seasons where I'm not like, can't wait, you know? Um, we all have those seasons because we take our eyes off of the truth. But um, if you just stay in it and, you know, one of the things it says is, is like you just mentioned and I just mentioned community, like we need each other. God designed us to live within Christian community, encourage each other, drag each other. You said it so well to um, the feet of Jesus when we, when we need to be dragged. Like, come on. Yeah. We're going. Um, no choice. That's as yeah. practical as I can be. I mean, if I gave you a list of like here are the specific – times of day. I, like, I think it's different for everyone. Like my husband's a wake up at 5 a.m. set his alarm guy. I'm not, I'm not that guy. <laughs> I'm not that guy. That does not work for me. Um, just neither am I. Yeah. Yes, no. Open mm-hmm. the the Bible, ask the Holy Spirit to help you and do what it says. Practical. That's so good. It reminds me, Second Corinthians 12, 9, for mm-hmm. his power is made perfect in our weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses. And it's like, when you get to that place and you realize I'm not as cool as I thought I was, yeah. <laughs> or it's like, I don't have this together, yeah. you know, or things are falling apart. Mm-hmm. What a cool place to be where it's like, all right, I have no other choice than just like to turn to the Lord. So if you're in that place and you're listening and you're like, I feel so low, praise God, because yeah. there's some people that feel so high that mm-hmm. they'll never experience the fullness <laughs> of God because they're trying to figure out the fullness of themselves. And wow. so when you get to that low place, it's an opportunity to be like, okay, Lord, you got to show up period. I need this, you know, and that's, it's more of a blessing than it is a curse to think Mm. to be at that low place. And the world tries to convince us otherwise so that we'd start trying to run that race and figure it out and strive. And I'm like, no, Mm. enough's enough. I think it's okay to not, to not be enough, to not be okay, to not be okay, to not fix it, fill in the blank. Yeah. And this is exactly your message. And it's like, I'm so obsessed with it. So I'm so glad you came and just poured your heart out for us. You're awesome, Rachel. So thank you for having me. You're awesome. You're awesome. Thank you. You're the awesomest, worst person in the world that I've ever talked to. (laughs) I'm so honored. I have to real quick. Thank you. Um, I so I dedicated this book to my dad, my adoptive dad. Um, it's like the so I showed him on my phone before it was printed. SWAT team dad. SWAT team dad. I showed it to him and on my phone. And then he was like, I don't know how I feel about having a book called You're the Worst Person in the World dedicated to me. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, it's supposed to be an honor. But yeah, I see. I can see that. <laughs> Try again next time. He's the oh, best. Hilarious. He's the best worst person. So That's so fun. Anyway. Oh, well, this has been an honor and so wise, so much wisdom. Mm-hmm. I'm taking away from this so much. So I really pray and know that people listening are like, oh, that was so good. It's the hype mm-hmm. message that doesn't hype us up. Yes. And that is really hard to find these days. So grateful for you. The hype message that doesn't hype. Rachel, you you got it. You got away with you got your brain. You got a good brain. You got away with um with putting things. Thank you. Um, okay, my favorite question to ask, we'll end with this. It's like my favorite is what are you loving that you have to share with people listening today? Hmm. It can be a shameless plug, that's cool. Or it could be <laughs> A song, an oh. Amazon product, literally anything. Ooh, an Amazon product. Okay, I'm going to tell you. Um, Amazon. <laughs> you said Amazon, so that's where we're going with this. <laughs> um, Amazon tape-in hair extensions. Thank you very much. Shut up. Amazing. <gasps> Changed my life in a very uh, surfacey, stupid way. Love them. No. Let me just tell you real quick. So <laughs> I had my thyroid taken out in 2019. 
And I already had really thin hair, but it got like, I think that that, I mean, that's definitely a reason that people can lose a lot of hair. And so it was just really bad. And I went to have my hair highlighted, which I only do like once a year. And she was like, I don't really have anything to highlight here on the sides. You should have hair extensions. And I was like, yeah, I've heard, all I know is that it's like millions of dollars a week, probably. It's It's like so expensive. And so she told me that and I looked into it and I thought there's got to be a DIY with this because I really don't have any hair anymore. And so I experimented and um, Rachel, I found you you literally sandwich, it's human hair that you tape with like medical grade tape, your hair sandwiched between it and you wash it and you curl it and you leave it in for like six to eight weeks. Just like it's your, and yeah, like my hair is actually naturally like, this is my hair. It's like up to here. Stop it. This is all, this is all not my hair. For everyone listening, there's video so I can actually see her hair <laughs> and it's, it's fabulous. Uh, it's very so long. It's legit. <laughs> it is very, and I feel, so cool. I'm in this, like whenever someone says, oh, your hair looks nice. I'm always like, oh, it's not my, it's from Amazon. And my friends are like, <laughs> you don't have to say that. You could just say thank you. And I'm like, well, I feel like, just like you said with the bath towel, I feel like I have to be like. I'm aware. If you can tell it's fake, the tape, I have it to tell is. Them before they I'm out. aware, but I like it, so I'm going to keep doing it. That is so cool. That's one of my favorites I've ever, ever, ever heard. There you go. And that if you, is, when it sick. grows out, you just take the tape off, and then you get new tape, and you just retape the same hair back. Retape it. Yep. Ooh, mm. that's going to help a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people are like, I'm really loving books with my children. I'm like, nope. boring. No, I mean, I love that too. But <laughs> yeah, uh, course, tape and hair extensions. But we are all about those. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This has been so fun. I've truly just enjoyed this time. And you're just a blast. So where can people find you in the book and all the things? Um, Well, you can go to youaretheworstpersonintheworld.com. If you know how to spell your correctly, but no apostrophe because the URL won't let you do that. So almost correctly. Um, I'm on Instagram, Scarlett Hiltabidal. That's where I spend most of my time Social on social media. Um, yeah. Everything's there. So fun. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll be there and we'll link all that in the show notes and more. And you're just a treasure. You're a treasure. Thank you for having me, Rachel. This episode of Behind the Bliss podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more episodes so you don't miss episodes full of encouragement. And don't forget to rate and review so that we can continue to bring you the best content. See you in the next episode.